Wednesday, December 6th. Welcome back to the Damon Brew Show. Welcome back. It's, uh, it's Humo Day. One typographical error, hump day becomes humo day in this chat room forever. You guys are insane. You all really are. Thank you so much for being insane along with me and here on the Plus. And welcome back to the Seattle Seahawks. Here we go again. Round two with the Seattle Seahawks. Let's be honest. There's a uh, a run on birds right now. It Seahawks and Eagles and Cardinals and Ravens. But we are back to the Seattle Seahawks. And look, th- things have changed since the last time the 49ers have seen the Seahawks. 49ers were being regarded as a pretty good football team when they played on Thanksgiving. Now they're regarded as the best team in the entire NFL after what they did to the Eagles. But I'm going to tell you right now, as much as they should absolutely smash Seattle, it's a funny league. And this is a funny rivalry. I know I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here. But there's always something that gives me a little worry about the Seahawks, even though absolutely everything about this matchup is pointing towards the Niners win. And they win loud. Again, they won loud the first time. They're riding a four-game winning streak, are the 49ers. One of those wins, again, comes over Seattle. Since returning from the bye week, they've been a little bit of a juggernaut. Seattle is sliding in the wrong direction. Six and six, they've lost three in a row, a one-point loss to the Rams, a blowout loss to the 49ers, and then a six-point loss in Dallas where DK Metcalf had a huge afternoon, but it still wasn't enough. Geno Smith threw three touchdowns to Metcalf, who is a combination of total punk and total stud. He really is. That guy is a habitual line stepper out on a football field, and sometimes that line is the, you know, the line that is in front of the end zone. I mean, the guy's, he's talented as hell. There's no doubt about it. He's a big, big guy to handle. They gave the Cowboys a scare. The Seahawks gave the Cowboys a scare, but ultimately they lose 41 to 35. Their 35 points were the most that they had scored since going back to weeks two and three of this season. And It's the first time, I believe, I might be wrong about this. I read this in passing, and I can't remember if I got it totally right. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe that this is the very first time the loss to the Cowboys, that the Seahawks have dropped a game scoring at least 35 points in the Pete Carroll era. So it just shows you that the Legion to Boom, not exactly out there anymore. San Francisco won the first matchup of the season convincingly. It was 31 to 13, and it really wasn't even that close. The 49ers were so in control of that game after the first half. I remember in the postgame show walking away with how impressive Seattle decided to compete in a game where laying down and dying was absolutely an option. I mean, if they wanted to white flag that game at halftime, they could have, but they didn't. And that's a testament to the rivalry. It's a testament to the culture of the Seahawks, and it's a testament to the culture that's been installed by Pete Carroll, who is, you know, the best coach the Seattle Seahawks have ever had. Let's be completely honest. He really is. Mike Holmgren would be in that conversation, I guess. Look, San Francisco won the first matchup this season, big and loud, again, to the point where we're like patting Seattle on the head, giving them the old nice try, nice effort. Um, 
It was it was a big big win though. Big win. Geno Smith got sacked six times. It was one of the best days for a defensive line, which is really feasted on Seattle's offensive line going back a couple of seasons now. And I don't think it's out of the question to say that this defensive line is just playing some seriously inspired football since the Chase Young trade, since coming out of the bye week. And there is a, a big problem waiting at Levi Stadium for the Seattle Seahawks, a problem that they couldn't solve in their own home stadium, a problem that they couldn't solve on the line of scrimmage. And the Seahawks can't make any sort of argument that they're a better football team now than they were the night that they lost to the 49ers on Thanksgiving. I think the 49ers can make the claim that they are a better team right now. And one of the reasons why Seattle certainly can't make that claim, uh, by the way, the Niners are giving 10 and a half points. Just enough to where I get, I get, that's a funny number. Again, even bad teams, bad NFL teams, you give them 10 and a half, that usually... Like I used to have an old saying, you give me 10 and a half anywhere in the NFL, I'll take it. I don't even need to see who's involved in the game. If you're giving me 10 and a half, I'll take it in a professional football game. But maybe not this time around because Seattle's in a little bit of a tough spot. Again, they've lost three in a row and they've got a serious question in their backfield right now. And the question isn't how's Geno Smith playing. The question is, who is playing running back for the Seahawks? Because Zach Charbonnet got hurt in that loss to Dallas. Kenneth Walker III, who's a bit of a handful, he got hurt in the Rams loss and has not been back since. He's working his way back. Both of them are listed as questionable. And if neither one practices Thursday, Friday, later this week, I mean, which one of them, if either of them, might even be available for the 49er game. We'll find out. In the meantime, DJ Dallas could be getting an awful lot of carries for Pete Carroll's team at Levi's on Sunday. They've elevated a seventh-round rookie. And look, if there's a fan base in the NFL that won't do anything to disparage or underestimate a seventh-round rookie, Brock Purdy, it's going to be 49ers fans. But they had to elevate running back Kenny McIntosh from their practice squad. He is yet to touch a football in a game that matters. He is yet to have a single touch in a regular season game. So he might be deployed against the 49ers, and you got to like those odds for the 49ers as well. Now, thank you for being here. I know an awful lot of people are new to the channel. New people are discovering it by the day, by the hour it would almost seem. I certainly love having you all in here. I want to prepare you for what you're going to get. What you're going to get if you're new here, if you are among the newly initiated, what you're going to get here is sports grounded in reality. And there will be times to talk the trash, but it's not a trash talking channel. As a matter of fact, I don't even think it's an exaggeration to say that, like, I'm the least hype it up, least shit talking Niner content creator you're going to find on YouTube. And having said all that, 
It sure does sound like a one-dimensional Seahawks team comes in here and just gets clocked by the 49ers on Sunday. I got an awful lot of confidence in the 49ers. You should have confidence in the 49ers, too. They are just playing really good football. The Seahawks are retreating from the competitive nature that they were showing in the the first half. And again, look, they, they, they played their wings off in Dallas. They really did. Still wasn't enough. I'm just confident. If this makes any sense to you, hit a like. Hit a, hit subscribe, hit a like if this makes any sense to you. I'm so confident that the 49ers are going to house the Seahawks that I'm a little worried. <laughs> does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope you feel about sports that way too. When you're so confident in something, now you're actually worried about it. Like anytime historically I've been this sure about an outcome, I've either bet on it or lost or just been wrong altogether, which is why I bet so infrequently. Because, I, again, I, just when I think I know it all, sports lets you know, you don't know anything. I'm incredibly confident in the 49ers, which makes me worried about this game. <laughs> just a little. I know, it's nuts. But see, look, the, the Seahawks, like I said, there's just, there's something about them. No matter what the situations are, no matter who the records are, there's something about them that is just a gum-snapping Pete Carroll pain in the ass whenever these two teams play. It's the truth. And, you know, I know I said this last time around. I'm going to say it again. The Seahawks officially in nothing left to lose mode. Look out for a fake punt. Look out for a fake field goal. Look out for an onside kick to begin the game. Pete Carroll has no reason to not try to steal a possession somewhere in this football game. Somewhere. So um, th there's always an element of something weird could break out in 49ers and Seahawks games just up in Seattle a few weeks ago on Thanksgiving. There were a whole bunch of special team blunders, which had they gone the Seahawks way, they would have been a little bit more in that game than they really were. 49ers made some mistakes and then didn't get burned by them. There's just something about this damn Seattle team. I don't know what it, I can't explain it. I don't think it should be explained. I don't think we, I think the word, the word to explain it is division rival. When you're playing a team that knows you well, weird things can happen. The 49ers have got some good ownage on the Seahawks. They are looking to sweep them for the second consecutive season, and you can add a wild card victory over them last postseason as well. So, um, it, an awful lot of, Awful lot of confidence pointing towards the Niners. Awful lot of confidence. Which makes me a little bit worried. I hope you get I hope you get it. I think most of you do. By the way, it is good to have you here. Thank you so much for stopping on by. Uh, the channel is growing. The podcast is growing. The interaction, the collaboration in this community continues to grow, and I love that. New names, new faces, a lot of old names and faces as well. It's good to see so many new folks in the house. Thank you so much. Hit a like, hit a subscribe if you are new here. Let's do this together. Um, we couldn't do it, certainly, without our sponsors. My man Ike, not only is he making delicious sandwiches, he is trying to recruit Shohei Otani. He is telling Shohei, you can play baseball anywhere. 
You can be productive anywhere. What you can't do is open one of the greatest sandwich shops ever opened anywhere and put your name on it. I'll give you I'll I'll, I'll give you naming rights. I'll give you naming rights. So my man Ike is working hard to get the Giants right this year. He's a season ticket holder. He's got some selfish reasons to do this as well. Um, but let me tell you, you have only one reason to get yourself a sandwich at Ike's, and that's because they're freaking delicious. As a matter of fact, I might have an Ike's in my future today. If I do, I'll take a picture and send it on. Little little sandwich porn for you coming up later on today, courtesy of my friend at Ike's. Um, let me tell you about Dr. Paul. Dr. Paul Hughes, with an office in San Mateo, has got himself uh, a new way to handle the pain that you're in all the time. If you have joint pain, if you've got arthritis, if you're bone to bone, he's got cellular replacement therapy, which could absolutely give you a reason to not have that incredibly intrusive, invasive knee replacement, shoulder replacement, elbow replacement. Look, if you got a problem in a joint, you go see Dr. Paul. Orthopedicsurgeries.com orthopedicsurgeries.com if you want to possibly avoid an orthopedic surgery. I got to tell Dr. Paul, you got to get a new website name because your website name, orthopedic surgeries, is the thing that your new treatment allows people to avoid. So we'll talk to Dr. Paul about all that. If you want a consultation with Dr. Paul, go to orthopedicsurgeries.com. Also, if you are feeling confident in the Niners, you want to lay that 10 and a half, you can do it over at mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag. Use promo code DAMON when you sign up for a 50% deposit match up to $1,000. A full casino floor is waiting for you at mybookie.ag as well. So you want to play a little blackjack, some card games, some poker, some roulette, some games of chance. You want to sit there and on a slot machine, you can do that on mybookie. It's like being on a cruise. In international waters, there are no laws for us, law dog. No laws out there. Uh, little 49ers housekeeping for you before we move along this afternoon. The Niners have signed safety Logan Ryan. They did that on Tuesday, but I'm telling you about it here this Wednesday. It's a one-year deal, and in order to make room on the roster, they released a player that I think could have a very good NFL career. Running back Tyron Davis-Price out of LSU was the odd man out just based on team depth and usage, and so he's gone to create a roster spot for Logan Ryan, who was a third round pick a decade ago. He has got 121 NFL starts at safety under his belt, a career that started in New England. He's been a Titan, a Giant, and a Buccaneer as well. And what he is, is depth and experience. He's depth and experience. I don't think he's come in any way to replace Jair Brown, but to back up Jair Brown, because I'm going to tell you, now that Hufanga is out of the picture for the entire year, if, if, if Jair Brown went down, all of a sudden you'd have some problems. So that's why this team went out and signed Logan Ryan. He is experience. He is depth. He's plug and play if something that goes wrong and can probably play either safety position. So just a necessary roster move to protect Robster depth. And, you know, you rob from a place that you have some depth to add some depth. And the running back room, like right now, let's be honest about Davis Price. 
as good as he might be, as good as he could be right now, he was just off the radar. I mean, he's behind Jordan Mason, who doesn't even get snaps, who's behind Elijah Mitchell, who is now absolutely being worked into game plans more than in the first half of the year. And everyone is behind CMC Touchdown Factory. I mean, McCaffrey just keeps rolling. He's the best running back in football. And we know that, you know, Kyle Shanahan's got a Christian McCaffrey addiction. Nothing wrong with that. I just hope he doesn't overdose McCaffrey. Um, Another bit of housekeeping, Matt Barrows. This has not been done. The chore is not done, but it's on the maybe honeydew list. John Lynch's honeydew list. Uh, Matt Barrows is saying that the 49ers are believed to be one of the teams most interested in tight end Zach Ertz. And Ertz is apparently waiting till next week to decide where he might want to play. San Francisco, theoretically, as Barrows reports, could put tight end Ross Dwelly, who's got a high ankle sprain, on injured reserve to make room for Ertz. And Barrows says that he imagines that Kyle Shanahan is all for adding an experienced player who could be a serviceable weapon and who has a Super Bowl ring. You know, a little bit of experience this time of year feels like it goes a long way. Ertz has that experience. So we'll see if he doesn't end up on this 49ers roster before this season is said and done. Uh, Other bits of NFL housekeeping On Tuesday's show, we mentioned that it could be a really ugly week of quarterbacking matchups around this league just due to the fact that, you know, quarterbacks are getting taken out left and right. Well, the Vikings are apparently going to be sticking with Josh Dobbs at quarterback this week as they play the Raiders in Las Vegas, um, who are going with Aiden O'Connell, talking about developing, struggling, might not yet be ready for primetime quarterbacks. But I think it's smart that... The Raiders are in that O'Connell camp and continue to see what he is before they head into an offseason where they'll be reinventing the team basically once again. The New York Jets, believe it or not, are going back to Kevin Wilson. And whether or not Kevin Wilson even wants the job is being discussed on Sports Talk Radio in New York City. Apparently, uh, Kevin Wilson, when asked by Aaron Rodgers if he was ready to like, you know, get back in there and start again, wasn't exactly like, yeah, man, just give me an opportunity. I want that damn ball. Get me back in there. Apparently, Kevin Wilson is starting to think like, yeah, my time in New York is borrowed time. And I don't know if I want to go in and play behind a terrible offensive line and maybe risk injury, which could affect my future somewhere else, because my future in New York is basically dead on arrival, you know, so uh, it, the Kevin Wilson saga just doesn't feel like it could possibly end well in New York or become the reclamation project in the absence of Aaron Rodgers that a lot of fans were hoping like, all right, maybe this highly drafted young quarterback, the light comes on and he'll get us through this year no matter. No, it just that kid is galactically uncomfortable playing with the New York Jets. I think a lot of quarterbacks would be galactically uncomfortable playing with the New York Jets offensive line. So the uh, Texans are coming to New York, and that's what that looks like. One more bit before we turn our attention to something other than football for the first time in this show today. By the way, I hope you like that thumbnail. Round two, fight. 
By the way, did we already announce sip of the day? If we haven't, there it is. I mean, we that's even a little past its prime sip of the day. The first sip of the show was really the sip of the day. I don't think I formally announced it, but for betting purposes, there you go. What do we got here? Irwin, 12.9. Yeah, baby, take the over. We coming. We coming. Thank you very much for subscribing. Hit like. Be happy. We'll get into this chat here in just a second. I did pin a couple of tweets earlier. Um, <laughs> the skills report saying Seahawks again. I'd be annoyed if not guaranteed a victory. Again, victory is never guaranteed, but boy, the odds are certainly in the 49ers' favor. Again, I'm so confident. I'm a little worried if that makes any sense. Rick Mightybone summing up the feeling here. Good morning. Welcome to Plus Tavern. It really is. It's like we're all hanging out in a sports bar together. But instead of watching a game, you're watching my dumbass. So thank you very much. Stacy Leo, uh, happy Humo Day, fam. Thank you very much. And Skills, who is like an OG member here, is like, I still, I, I wish I got the Humo reference. I'm so out of touch. It's amazing what one typographical error can do. One person, one, I don't even know who it was. One person, instead of saying hump day, typed Humo Day, and everybody jumped on that, and no one's looked back. I can't explain it. Frickin' plusers, you can't explain these people. They make no sense. Matthew Ali says, y'all seen someone died at the Kings game the other night? That place is cursed. I don't know. Are there several deaths in that built at Golden One Center? Is it cursed? I don't know. Um, and that's terrible. That is that's awful. That's I don't I don't know what happened. I hadn't heard about that, but that's that's awful. God, I was at Chase Center the night a fish fan plummeted to his death, and that was that was awful. Ugh. Anyways, happier times. Happier times and someone that I just, he deserves a little attention here. He's a man to be admired. And let me tell you, it's that time of the year where I'm thinking charity. I'm wearing my Guardsman Tree Lot shirt from this year's Tree Lot. The Guardsman Tree Lot is open right now. You can go get a great Christmas tree, send a kid to a day of summer camp with each and every Christmas tree. We send a kid to camp and we provide educational opportunities for kids who are Bay Area at-risk youth. And it's a charity that I've been involved with since 2010. I am so proud to be now a senior guardsman. That's how old I am. It's they, you basically they get you out when you're 40 or the majority of your facial hair goes gray. So I qualified on both fronts. And um, and and charity when you take a kid and change the trajectory of their life is my favorite charity. Any charity that does that, any charitable work that works on individuals doesn't take a big word like, uh, you know, a disease and just throw money at a disease that never really changes. Changing individual lives is where I believe charity is best spent. That brings me to Eric Armstead because Eric Armstead is just a solid human being and he is a Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee of the 49ers for a fourth straight year. I really hope he wins this. 
I do, because it's obviously something that is not performative for him. He's not thinking, oh, yeah, it'll, 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 it'll help my image if I go out and I dedicate a year of my life to an absurd amount of charity work and really get on the charity radar. And now everybody's this guy just quietly, humbly for years now has been improving his hometown of Sacramento and a whole bunch of Bay Area youth around that. His Armstead Academic Project, which is known as AAP, has been around since 2019. He's helped raise and he's personally donated over $2 million to, again, Sacramento, the town that he's from, and Bay Area youth around it. Um, The 49ers press release touting Armstead's charity work reads that he hosts story times, youth football camps, college field trips, free health and wealth uh, wellness fairs. He provides resources, warm meals, school supplies, and his ethos is that a zip code should not define a student's opportunity. Eric Armstead would have been a hell of a guardsman. We are completely in lockstep with where our charitable mind and efforts go. And I am just, I wanted to call some attention to the work that this man's done because Eric Armstead, very good player, very good season that he's having. And honestly, he's a better person than he is a football player. And he's a pretty damn good football player. So tip of the cap to Eric Armstead, a Niner that you can be proud of, a fourth straight nomination for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I certainly hope that he's a finalist. I would love to see him actually recognized as the winner of really the most prestigious award the NFL can hand out for civic-minded behavior. So cheers to Eric Armstead. And come on down to the Guardsman Tree Lot. You can go to sftreelot.com to find out all the information, but it is at Fort Mason Festival Pavilion, And I think I'm going to be doing a show from down there next week. It's going to be a quick one, so I'm not going to invite you to come on down. But come on down to the Guardsman Tree Lot, not for the show, but for really all your holiday needs. If you're here in San Francisco or the Bay Area, we'd love to have your Christmas tree be a Guardsman Christmas tree. And I'm just going to warn you right now, they're more expensive than the average Christmas tree. But that's because you're really not buying a Christmas tree You're getting a Christmas tree for making a donation to send a kid to summer camp. And that's what the guardsmen are all about. I'm very proud to be affiliated with them now for, what, God, nearly 14 years. It's a great group. Festival Pavilion, Fort Mason, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Come on down to the guardsmen tree lot. Okay. So the Golden State Warriors have a game that they really simply cannot afford to lose on the schedule at Chase Center this evening. The 6-13 Portland Trailblazers roll into town. Dame Lillard nowhere in sight. you got to look to Milwaukee if you want to see Oakland's own Dame Lillard. The Warriors are two games under 500 on the season. They're two games under 500 at home. And Portland's getting 10 and a half. So it's time for the Warriors to get their heads out of their collective rear ends and play some decent basketball. There are way too many veterans on this team, and Steve is leaning into too many veteran minutes for them to be making the kind of botched rookie mistakes that have them losing. Well, in their last dozen games, they're three and nine. As we've gone further away from a youth injection, deeper into minutes for veterans, the Warriors are getting worse. They're 3-9 and in their last 12 games. 
They are two and four in games decided by less than four points. So that means the veteran leadership, which is supposed to get them over the edge and over the margin of tight games, is not rearing its head. Chris Paul's been out of the mix. Um, you know, I, I, Trace Jackson Davis hasn't played a minute since the Spurs game the night after Thanksgiving. I just don't understand that unless he's nursing an injury that they're kind of keeping under the radar. It, it just doesn't make sense to not play someone who, whenever he gets thrown out on the court, seems to give good minutes. You know, Wiggins has been better, but he's nowhere near where he needs to be. Clay Thompson getting better, yet still averaging fewer points with more turnovers on the worst shooting splits of his career. And really, the only bell of the ball is the first name Stephen, last name Curry. Uh, you know, Curry's just been remarkable this year, and they're officially asking him to do too much. He's averaging 29 points per game with five rebounds, five assists per game. And he's doing it on splits that are nearly 50-40-90, which is the holy grail of NBA efficiency. 50% from the floor, 40% from downtown, 90% from the free throw line. And Curry is at like 46, 46, and 90. So he's nearly 50-40-90 across the board. The guy is just playing his rear end off and doesn't have enough guys coming along for the ride each and every night. Draymond needs to start turning his direction into, I'm here to help every night, not maybe get in the way of our own success because I'm losing control of my emotions once again. There are just some games on a schedule you think, well, that could go either way. And there are other games that are litmus tests for your own credibility. If the if, if the Golden State Warriors want some credibility, they need to, I don't care if they cover or not, but they better beat the Portland Trailblazers tonight at home. They just, they, they can't afford to lose this game and turn around and look everybody in the eye and say, oh yeah, this is, this is a year where we're going to get our shit together. So look. Get better, Golden State Warriors. We all know that there's a weird, overzealous media that's got its forks out and can't wait to declare them dead. It's just the way it works. You know, you spend so much time building something up, you can't wait to tear it down, especially in the media. And that brings me to another story that we got to talk about. We kind of broached the subject a bit on Tuesday. Here we are again, because you can feel the media wanting to turn on Shohei Otani in a weird way because Shohei Otani has a level of discreet operation that, let's be honest, the media just does not like and baseball did not need. Shohei Otani is denying baseball writers all of their columns of rumors because of his very discreet, very off the record, very much, you know, like Shohei Otani's free agency is like Fight Club. Like, first rule of Shohei Otani agency, free agency, is you don't talk about Shohei Otani free agency once he comes and has a meeting with your team. There is a level of importance to privacy and discretion and not being a look-at-me kind of guy that isn't just ingrained in Shohei Otani the individual, but is really ingrained in Japanese culture discretion. Most people in America don't even know what the word discretion is anymore. What do you mean be discreet? I take all my own business and put it out on front street. I'll, I'll share shit about my family that you should only tell to a priest and a confessional and I'll put it on Facebook. That's the world we live in. That's our pathetic culture right now. 
Americans can't even comprehend discretion. So when Shohei requests it, all it does is piss off the media. And there's a front page story on ESPN right now. Shohei Otani, for the first time in his career, is bad for baseball with the way that he's demanding some discretion around his visits. What he's really doing is asking America's media members, especially its sports media members, to do some legwork themselves and be creative, which is just not something a lot of people are prepared to do these days. Lazy SOBs. Anyway, I just think it's funny that right before Shohei Otani makes the announcement and everyone's going to come in around and hand flowers and get very excited about that wherever he ends up landing. And if he lands here in San Francisco, holy mackerel. I'm just telling you right now, he can't be a Dodger. You can't, he just, whatever he is, we can't be a Dodger. And I know that Shohei has really said that money isn't what he's looking for. He's looking for the best opportunity. It's a very... It's a very Shohei Otani thing to say. And Shohei Otani might be dripping in Japanese discretion, but you know what? He's also a human being, and I'm telling you right now that I don't care who's... The the Giants should offer this guy $700 million. Like, just uh, don't let him go anywhere else. If anyone else is going to a half a million, half a billion, 500 million, offer him seven. Offer him seven. The city needs it. He would make the city a better place. He would bring more business. He would sell more hotel rooms than anyone else. He would open up a door to Japanese tourism in a, in a town that, if you wanted to measure who lives here, has a larger Asian persuasion than just about any major city in America. Shohei Otani's a no-brainer for the Giants. They should offer him $700 million and just say, look, can't pitch right now. It doesn't even matter. You launch home runs into McCovey Cove for the next decade, and we're going to sell this fucking place out, and we're going to have one of the greatest shows to show anybody. Shohei, the show. I mean, get it done. Get it done. Like I Yeah, he's really looking for the most competitive situation. Yeah, well, he might be blinded by $700 million. Do it. The Giants can't afford not to have this guy. Well, you know, maybe Yamamoto. No one's ever heard of Yamamoto. I mean, we've heard of him, but come on. Shohei. Shohei Otani. Get it done. Farhan and Charles Johnson. Seriously, I bet you if Shohei Otani shows up, the city of San Francisco would be just become cleaner. Don't like that this guy could fix the damn city. Maybe that's putting a little bit too much for on him. How about this? Just hit 45 home runs for the Giants. Just pumping balls into McCovey Cove. Can you imagine if he signs like a 10, 12-year deal to do that with the Dodgers and the only time you get to see Shohei Otani in person, he's playing for the Dodgers and putting balls in a McCovey go for the Dodgers? That cannot happen. That cannot happen, San Francisco Giants, goddammit. I've got one other, one other baseball story for you. Max Scherzer 
By the way, I'm 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 noticing. Did I say Kevin Wilson, Zach Wilson, the guy who sucks as quarterback for the New York Jets and should have never been drafted? That Wilson. Sorry, I get my Zachs and Kevins mixed up. I get stroke a loco. One other baseball story to share with you, and it's just numbers are amazing. And if you're going to raise your son, raise your son to be a pitcher. Good God. Did you see the story about Max Scherzer, who I think is going to set a major league record this year? Max Scherzer, who signed a three-year, $130 million contract with the New York Mets. He's got an average annual salary of $43.3 million. Well, he then gets traded to the Texas Rangers as the Mets blew up their entire team because the year didn't go where it wanted to. So, um, you know, the 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 Mets are still on the hook for some of that. The Rangers are on the hook for $22.5 million. And the Washington Nationals are still on the hook from the deal that sent him to the Mets in the first place. And this is where I don't know if any player has ever done this before. Max Scherzer is still drawing a paycheck from the Nationals and the Mets and the Texas Rangers and he is now a top four payroll player on three different teams' rosters. Even though he's on the Rangers' roster, he is the second highest paid New York Met still. He is the third best paid Washington National rostered player still, even though he's not on the roster. He's on the payroll still. And he is the fourth highest paid Texas Ranger. I mean, has there ever been a guy topping three major league payrolls in the same year? Max Scherzer. Two different color eyes, three payroll topper. I guess you can do this when you're an eight-time All-Star, three Cy Youngs, two World Series titles already. Um, Over 16 seasons, Max Scherzer has made $256 million in career earnings If you took his career earnings and you retrofitted it across every start he's made, 457 career starts in Major League Baseball, Scherzer has been compensated better than half a million dollars, $560 million every single time he started. If you retrofit his career earnings over his career starts. Again, raise your sons to be pitchers, fellas. It's good money. And if you're a pitcher who can also hit 40 bombs, you're the greatest baseball player ever. You're Shohei Otani, and you should get a $700 million offer from the San Francisco Giants to come and save the goddamn city, much less the baseball team. And I've said enough. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for watching on YouTube. The channel officially grows. Let's do a quick Update of the uh, the subscriber count, 12,938. Could be at 13,000 before the sun goes down tonight. If you're aggressive about sharing the channel with your friends, your circle, your trusted confidants, say, check this guy out. You got a mom and dad at home? There's two more subscribers right there. Mom and dad, sign up for YouTube. Subscribe to Damon. Don't ever have to watch. Just go ahead and subscribe, though. We're building it. The algorithm favors the subscriptions. Hit that like button. Comment your hearts out. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And before we get into Club Plus, 
exclusively on YouTube. I have to tell everyone on the podcast, thank you so much for listening today. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.